Welcome to the Gonzo Chronicles. I'm your host, Cyrus Alderwood, the official spokesman for Generation X. Stick around. It's going to get weird, as always. Welcome back to another episode of the Gonzo Chronicles. Cyrus Alderwood, again, the official spokesman for Generation X. You know, I think one of the best gifts I've ever been given was a 99-cent back scratcher that someone picked up at the Dollar Tree. I have gotten more use. Oh, God, this feels good. I've gotten more use out of this thing than I do uh, like my goatee trimmer. <laughs> Because I'm too lazy to shave on a regular basis. I should. I just don't. Um, no plans to start anytime soon. But God, this thing is... Ah, this feels good. Anyway. Oh, man. Everyone should have a gift like this. It's a gift that keeps on giving, you know? So anyway, I go grocery shopping. Oh, first of all, before I get into my, my rant about the music in the grocery store... Let me tell you what happened to me. So I've been out of town. Went to Frankfurt to work out of the office there. And go to a couple of little civic meetings and hang out with a few people. And then I went to Cincinnati to hang out with those savages I wrote about in the book Sunset Pub, Tales from the Sunset Pub. So I hang out with those cats. But before I leave, um, that Wednesday morning before I left for Frankfurt, had yellow jackets in my kitchen. I don't mean just a couple. I mean, swarming all around the ceiling. How they got in at the time, I had no idea. So I had to call an exterminator before I left. And the guy doused this big, huge nest up in the corner outside of my kitchen at the corner where the gutter is, corner of the house. So anyway, I come back a few days later, come back on Sunday. I go up there for my annual fantasy football draft at a great time. And then, uh, actually, I think I drafted a fairly decent team. So the old Pork Chop Express is back this year. So uh, I get back, and there's like a bunch of dead bees in the window. Yellow jackets. They're still in the house. So I had to call an exterminator, I think, who finally was able to show up on Tuesday. And, man, I tell you what, I was, I was a nervous wreck. I was fighting yellow jackets all week. I was like that kid from Home Alone. I was not going to let the yellow jackets outside of the kitchen to anywhere in the rest of the house. I had to defend my territory. So it really, I didn't get a chance to write. I hardly got a chance to work. Um, of course, the bees, they settle down right around dawn um, or du you know, dusk. So anyway, as long as, you know, once, once it was nighttime, as long as I didn't turn the overhead light on, 
But anyway, long story short, the guy had to come back a third time. And on the third time, I think we found out where they were coming in at, behind the refrigerator in the very corner. I was, I, you know what, I have been a nervous freaking wreck. I'm hearing bees, I'm hearing like wasps, yellow jackets buzzing, and there's none there. So problem solved, where they were coming in, sealed up. I haven't seen a yellow jacket in here. It's, what is today, Thursday, I haven't seen one since, uh, yeah, Friday of last week. So... Yeah, and those died. Those died a horrible death. So um, then I had to clean the entire kitchen. I sprayed wasp spray everywhere. The funny thing was, before I left on Wednesday when I saw them, I grabbed this can of Raid, this wasp's killer, and I kid you not, I shouted out, this is Sparta, and I started spraying everywhere. It was a mess, but um, anyway, that's how ridiculous my week was. So I'm glad this week sort of got back to normal. I could get back into work. Um, I had a really great interview today. Um, a friend of mine who's a pastor, he's actually out here and talked about the Nephilim, uh, one of the earlier episodes, maybe a couple of years ago. And uh, he's also a news reporter. So did an interview today for my nonprofit. So that was, that was cool. Get a little exposure for that, hopefully. So anyway, I'm back. I'm ready for football season, so I get this fantasy football thing underway. And uh, if you're not too bored, tonight is Oct uh, October. It's August 31st, and so it's Thursday. So if you're listening to this today, if you get a chance uh, tonight at 8 o'clock Eastern, if you hear this in time, I will be on Father Mahoney's House of Horrors again, and we're going to be discussing and reviewing two classic movies from the 80s, based off Stephen King films, Pet Cemetery and Carrie. So that's going to be a little fun chat tonight. I'm looking forward to that, actually. That actually will stream live on YouTube and on Rumble and someplace called Dog Nuts or something. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, if you uh, uh, you can probably hear it live, you know, your podcast, wherever you listen to them at. But, uh, yeah, definitely check it out on YouTube or Rumble. It's Father Mahoney's House of Horrors. So let me get into this thing, right? I was going grocery shopping. And I know I'm the official spokesman for Gen X, but I got this. Let me tell you what chaps my ass. Let me tell you what sucks. Strolling down the aisle in the grocery store and hearing all your favorite tunes from the 80s playing in the store. You know, I go out to run a few errands, go for a shop. I come back home feeling completely out of touch with society because my music is now classic rock or grocery store rock. Are you kidding me? When I think of classic rock, I think of like late 60s rock tunes of the 70s. There should be a law somewhere that says Motley Crue is not classic rock. Led Zeppelin, sure. Guns N' Roses, never. Okay. So anyway, this week, a social media pal um, named Ashley posted something that got me thinking. Uh, she mentioned that the cancel culture has been around a long time. And her first recollection of it was when MTV fired Kurt Loader. Sometime after the uh, controversial interview with that uh, artist, Jewel, if you remember her. She had a great song at the time. She's a really good singer. Uh, just kind of had that crooked tooth, I think. But it was kind of sexy. Like, you know. Anyway, she had the song called Who Will Save Your Soul. It was back in the 90s. So it got me to thinking. Whatever happened to Kurt Loder? And then I started seeing all these memes floating around this week. And they're, they're, well, a couple weeks ago, they were killing me. And it said, hey, Gen X, don't look now, but 
Kurt Loader is 78 years old. Is that supposed to make me feel really old or something? Listen, I can only speak for Generation X. But our music is way better than your music, whoever you are. They posted these things. Always has been, always will be. We're way cooler than you. So for the younger generation that thinks this is funny, whenever you figure out what gender you are, then go ask a Gen Xer about the original Monsters of Rock tour and how we helped bring down the Berlin Wall. <laughs> so, um, yeah, when you grow up here, figure out what, what you have. Yeah, come give us a chat. So anyway, I stopped watching MTV a long time ago, uh, back when they got away from music and started telling the viewers how to vote. And I've been very vocal on the show about that. Then they forced reality TV down our throats. I seriously blame that network for single-handedly killing rock and roll. And it's sad to see a network that was so revolutionary get away from the very thing that made them what they were. Music and music videos. But I digress. Hold on while I take a sip. That was more of a guzzle. Anyway, for those of you who remember when MTV was actually relevant and cool. Loader was one of the editors of Rolling Stone back in the 1980s. Actually, they're in the best years of that magazine's run during my youth, in my opinion. He was probably one of the last great ones before that rag went off the rails, and now, you've heard me piss and moan on this show too, Rolling Stone can't even get a top 100 musician list right. He was a journalist in the music industry and the entertainment business, and he hosted a weekly show on MTV called The Weekend Rock. Really cool show. I never missed it. Uh, later, he started uh, MTV News in the late 80s. Again, I was a big fan. Of course I was. I was a young kid. I loved the music and watched MTV like it was kind of like my lifeblood. I still remember many of the old shows uh, and the hosts on there. Um, Kurt Loder and Tabitha Soren were staples, actually, in my youth. Uh, I was watching the moment he broke the news of Kurt Cobain's death. And that was actually a very tragic moment and a memory that still sticks out after all these years. So anyway, in the late 90s, uh, Kurt Loder did an interview with Jewel after she published a book of poetry. And in that interview, he made it a point to correct her use of a word. I forgot what word it was. But it came across as him being a bit of a smartass. And I was in grad school at the time, and I remember thinking something like, hey, that was sort of unnecessary. Uh, it made them both look bad, actually. She, at that point, started to look really uncomfortable, and the interview just sort of sucked from that point. But I started thinking, you know, after seeing these memes, you know what, maybe that dude was just having a bad day. Or maybe he was kind of tired of the kind of news that he was covering at that point in his life. I don't know. But for whatever reason, he was a bit of a jerk that day, and it showed. Then after that, at some point, Loader was let go, and then MTV News died the death that it probably needed to die. Uh, the business was changing. The music was changing. The channel was changing. And it was obvious that after a two-decade run, the once-respected music channel uh, that was culturally relevant and moving in a different direction, um, but the original viewers of the Iconic Channel, we were being left behind in the dust. And, of course, MTV moved on to a lot of reality TV. And, you know, I'll not go into that. But they basically, in my opinion, stabbed their audience in the back for a different audience um, with cheaper content. To be clear, 
I don't think us Gen Xers minded so much that the music landscape was changing. Time marches on, the culture adapts and evolves, and music's on the leading edge of that. And I think in hindsight that after the explosion of grunge and the way the industry, I'll throw quotes around that, was exposed for being the leeches that they were, we were turned off and became distrusting of many things as a generation. You know, for example, um, we watched and learned in the wake of the Iran-Contra scandal, and we became distrusting of politics and politicians. We watched as our television channel decided to make or break artists. Business decisions and money were the main factors determining what artists were successful or not. And we became a bit distrusting of MTV. When we caught on and uh, was able to listen to any music we wanted, thanks to the internet, because of Napster, the industry, and I'll throw that in quotes again, and a few bands stopped us from sharing music. And, uh, you know, I get the point that the bands have to be paid. And they're right. They should be. They should be paid for their music. But the music industry shouldn't have been ripping them off in the first freaking place. Just ask the guys from Guns N' Roses. Or any hardworking band during that era, for that matter. It's crazy how little the actual artists make, and how music fans were threatened with jail time and fines for sharing and listening to music with each other. And here we are now in 2023, and the cancel culture has been raging for a few years. It's kind of gross, actually. Imagine saying something stupid 20 years ago and still having to pay for it today. That's dumb. But it happens. I haven't followed Kurt Loder since then, but I recently began following him on Twitter. And, you know, I wonder if he ever wanted to do a news segment exposing how little many of the bands got paid back then. Or maybe he wanted to address the corruption in the business. I'm curious about what his perspective is about how the culture changed during that chaotic and fun time prior to September 11, 2001. The music, I think, was trying to tell us something. Uh, it started with grunge and somehow sort of went off the rails when Woodstock was burned to the ground. And uh, maybe that's a book that should be written. And I can't think of a better person than Kurt Loder to write it. MTV used to be a cultural force and, and, and just very relevant, just like Rolling Stones. And, you know, just like that old quote, that song, Ah, the times they are changing. They have been for a long time. And I hope the cultural institutions of the future operate with the same passion as MTV did when it began. And I also hope they find their own Kurt Loder. So that's my thoughts on um, my Gen X thought of the week. Hey, one thing I wanted to do um, while I'm here, I wanted to uh, take just a few minutes here, a couple of minutes. I've been doing this thing every week called a writing prompt challenge. I'm up to 12 weeks on this. Now, what, what this thing is, is um, if you're a writer or an artist or creative and want to be a part of this, jot my email down, cyrus.alderwood at gmail.com. What we do every week is I'll take three cards from um, a deck. 
It's a book called, it's a deck called the Story Bannock. And two of the cards are like plot cards. One of the cards would be sort of a character card. And then when you take that out, I share that with the people who want to be a part of this challenge every week. And you don't have to do it every week, but sometimes you may want to chime in and, and share something. And uh, you come up with a short story. Now listen, I don't mean you have to write 7, 8, 10, 12 pages. When I talk about a writing prompt, you come up with something in your head you want to write. And we talk about maybe 2, 3, 4 pages max. Don't spend a lot of time on these. The purpose of a writing prompt is just to get your creative juices flowing. Get your mind thinking outside of the box and coming up with some sort of a story. You might want to fill the rest of that story in later on and actually write a full story. Somebody might actually get a book idea off one of these. But I want to read one that I recently did, and I posted this up on my Substack, And it's free for you to read. Uh, it's uh, Cyrus's Gonzo is home. Um, it's, uh, if you want to go there and read it, it's cyrusalderwood.substack.com. And this one is actually called The Case of Johnny Fever. And the three cards I picked out, the first card said fever. The second card said, where is everyone? And the third card, the uh, character card, was someone who wants respect. So based on those three cards, this um, was one of my more recent prompts in the writing prompt challenge. So I post these up sometimes on Substack. And I include mistakes and all. So I don't even go back and do the editing. I just want people to see the raw product and what it is. And if it's something that you might want to do, you might want to participate in, we share these little short stories with each other that we do. We have a lot of fun. And you'll be surprised at different genres you get off of three cards. Like I've gotten same three cards. I've had guild dramatic period pieces, horror, sci-fi, drama, and romance. It's kind of crazy. but. That's the human imagination. That's the beautiful thing about it. So I'm going to read this short that I wrote. It's a couple of pages, so I'll be done with it in a couple of minutes. Johnny Fever, the rogue investigator that had earned his rough reputation the right way. He was uncaring and a bit ruthless, but he always got the job done. An empathetic bedside manner was not his style. If you hired Fever, it was because you were all out of choices. The good guys don't always catch the bad guys. A fresh summer rain had fallen in the Crescent City, and the steam rose from the asphalt of the alley. With a rancid stench of years of grease from the restaurant at the corner, and piss from the drunks that wandered down this alley to relieve themselves, just in time to avoid pissing their pants. One other thing stuck out in the air tonight. The smell of rage and desperation. He took a slow drag from his cigarette and dropped it in the puddle where he was standing. He could feel his target close. No one believed him, but once he had a suspect in a case he was working on, he would be able to see if the person was guilty or not. He was born a regular kid, but before his childhood was over, he was special, as one of his temporary foster parents called him. He considered it a curse. His gift frightened people. His heartlessness frightened people. But he came about that honest. Johnny Fever was born John Foster Anderson. Ironic that he was tossed around from one foster home to the next, he thought. He was born to an alcoholic father and a criminal that was in and out of jail for theft, fraud, assault. 
His mother was a drug addict that tried to get clean, but the clean life never stuck. And she shoved a good romp with, uh, and she loved a good romp with a stranger way too much to ever settle down. Johnny was an accident that she planned to abort, but never got around to it. His memories of her had all but disappeared before he turned 20. He could remember vague things like his father beating her ass with a belt when she was four year, when he was four years old. Hold on while I take a sip. His folks had no respect or love for their only child. Hell, they didn't even respect themselves. Their alcohol and drug abuse got work got worse after Child Protective Services showed up to check on little Johnny's health. One of the neighbors had spotted him outside on the sidewalk trying to play. He was sweating profusely and coughing violently. A fever had gotten hold of him, and his parents didn't bother to take him to the doctor. In fact, they counted on it getting worse. Years later, Johnny learned from one of the social workers on his case that his folks had taken out a life insurance policy on him. They were counting on him dying so they could split the money and go their separate ways. Johnny pulled through against all odds. The county came and got him before he turned six, and he bounced around from foster home to foster home until he was 18. By then, he had decided that he didn't need anybody. He was good on his own. By then, his father was serving a life sentence for murder, and his mother was nowhere to be found. He assumed she was still alive. It was that vicious fever that changed him. When the ambulance came, his temperature was 106. It stayed that way for three days. He wasn't expected to survive. He slipped into a coma, and they thought that was it. He came to two days later, and his fever broke. He was never taken back to his parents. Instead, he was placed in an orphanage for a few weeks before leaving to stay with his first foster family. Johnny had met more scum in those years than anyone should have had to meet in a lifetime. It was right after he came out of the coma that he saw the auras around people. It didn't take long for him to tell the difference between the good auras and the bad ones, the good people and the evil ones. He could close his eyes and see their hearts. He tried to explain it to his second foster mom, but she thought he was either lying or had a mental disorder. She no longer wanted him in her house. That was fine with Johnny. She had a dark war. When she touched him, he thought he could see her future. His vision was that she would be killed by a jealous lover, one with a rose tattoo on his arm. A few years later, it came true. Once he became of age, he had his name changed. He didn't want to carry the name of the trash that brought him into this world. Since the fever caused the curse, he decided to hang around his neck, to hang it around his neck, and changed his name to Johnny Fever. He even dropped his middle name. It was the last name of his scumbag father. He wanted no part of it. Now, years later, after mastering control of this curse, he was the one private investigator that desperate people went to when the police couldn't solve their crime. It was always something horrible. An abduction of a child. An unsolved murder. The auras never lied. He could get near a suspected killer and know if that person was guilty. He'd see the crime committed in his head. He'd know, even if there wasn't proof. Two weeks ago, Johnny was approached by the son of two murder victims. In a fit of drug-addled rage one rainy night many years ago, the man had followed his parents home. He was away at college when the murder happened. The man went through the basement door and sliced his parents up as they lay sleeping in their bed. Their throats were slit, 
His father had over 70 stab wounds and his mother had over 30. They never stood a chance. The man had recently escaped prison and the police had no leads on his whereabouts. Johnny had tracked the man into the alley. He could feel the rage of the man seeping from his drunken, sweaty pores. I know you're here, Johnny said. He knew the man was dangerous, but he wasn't afraid of him. He was prepared for the worst. He always was. His methods were rough when they had to be. Come on out, you filthy bastard. Don't worry, I'm not going to call the cops. The man stepped out from behind overflowing garbage cans. His shadow stretched out toward Johnny in the faint overhead light of the back door of a bar. You ain't going to get the chance to call the cops, he said. He pulled out an eight-inch blade with a bone handle, similar to the one he used on his victims 20 years ago. Johnny calmly lit another cigarette and snapped his Zippo lighter closed. He looked down at the skull and crossbones engraved on it. It was the only thing of his father's that he ever kept. The only thing in that hellish house that he thought was cool. The man slowly began to walk toward him, tossing his knife back and forth from hand to hand. He knew how to handle a blade. Johnny didn't move. He just took another slow drag from his cigarette as the man got closer. When he got close enough, Johnny tossed the lighter at him. He stopped briefly to catch it. He looked down at the lighter closely and noticed the engraving. What the hell, he asked. He looked back up at Johnny with a shocked look on his face. I don't think I want that anymore, Johnny said to the man. Sirens blared in the distance. They were always blaring in the city. The music from the bars were loud as always. An old car backfired in a nearby parking lot. The man's eyes grew wide. Suddenly he knew. A shot rang out in the night. Johnny looked around, almost expecting to see people come running into the alley to see what the noise was. He looked at the apartment windows above. Not so much as a light turned on. No one was coming. Johnny took one more drag from his cigarette as he walked out of the alley. He dropped it on the sidewalk and crushed it under his shoe. Closure, he whispered before he disappeared into the crowd. So that is a short little thing, uh, writing prompt from a couple, three weeks ago, called The Case of Johnny Fever. And again, you can find that on cyrusalderwood.substack.com. Hey, that page is free for you to uh, um, subscribe to. So if you want to subscribe to my Substack, by all means. I do publish a few things that are locked, and that's for paid subscribers. Um, I don't do a Patreon on the podcast here, so I don't ask anybody for any money. I just do these for free, just kind of for fun. But on the Substack page, I thought I would lock a few things. I don't have many paid subscribers, not going to kid you. But those that do, I hope you enjoy the stories that are locked that are there for you. And if you want to be a paid subscriber, it's only 5 bucks a month, or I think it's like 50 bucks a year. Um, so you can save 10 bucks by just doing it one time. And I try to update this thing on a weekly basis, so you get plenty of stuff to read. There's a lot of content already on there. So go back, read through some things, enjoy it, have a good time. Make sure you subscribe to it. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, make sure you click that subscribe button. And you'll find me, The Gonzo Chronicles, also on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe there. Hey, just a quick shout out. Uh, I do want to thank a guy by the name of Gordon. I don't know if he listens to the podcast or not, but he emailed me on Facebook. Bought three of my books this week. So thanks for going on Amazon and picking up some stuff by Cyrus Alderwood. I hope you enjoy the stories. And if you do, share it with friends. 
Um, you know, I love when uh, people buy the books. I appreciate it. Uh, but I know a lot of folks with inflation sucks and I haven't raised prices on any of my books. So if you have a book and you think it's a good book and you think a friend might like it, feel free to share it with them. I mean, I do appreciate it when you buy it and it certainly helps me out. But um, yeah, so I, I do understand. I'm not the evil guy who like shuts down Napster <laughs> like they did with our generation for sharing music. If you like my book and you have it, pass it along to a friend. Um, if you like it, again, make sure you go to Amazon and leave a comment and a ranking. I would appreciate that. The more of those I get, the better. Uh, it's very helpful. The more rankings and comments you get, the more your book gets highlighted. And as an independent writer, I don't have any kind of marketing machine. It's all word of mouth. So uh, that's all, you know, yada, yada, yada. You guys know that. Thanks again for tuning in. Sorry it took me so long to get back. I'll be back again probably, well, it's a long weekend. I'll buy some beer. I'll be back and yap about something. In the meantime, everybody, take care. Enjoy the long weekend. It's Labor Day. Um, have fun. Be safe. Uh, enjoy yourselves. And uh, I'll see you on down the road. <laughs>